And the reason I actually became a psychologist is, is really for this reason. There's such a, an important connection between the mind and the body. Appreciating your body, wanting to do the best for your body. Welcome to the Pritikin Podcast. My name is Tony. I'm the producer of, of the content here we, we do at Pritikin. And I got a really special guest today, Dr. Kristen Farrell-Turner. She's a licensed psychologist, and we're just going to have a little conversation today. Um, what I really want to know, and I think what a lot of people want to know, is what, what is what role does a licensed psychologist play here at Pritikin? Because I know about... I know about the fitness, I know about the chef, I know about the cooking, I know about the medical department, but what, tell me about the, the role of the licensed psychologist here. So overall, it's a great question. Um, overall, um, we're here to support guests in making the changes that they, they're deciding they want to make. And so sometimes, probably most of the time when people come to Pritikin, when guests come here, they know what they want to do. They typically, you know, many of them lose weight, cholesterol, blood pressure, maybe better diabetes control, maybe other health related goals as well. A lot of people come here and they pretty much know what they want to do. Some people, maybe not so much, or maybe they're looking for a little more motivation. Um, maybe they're thinking, yeah, that'd, that'd be good, good idea to maybe lose some weight, but mm, I'm, I'm not really sure I'm ready. You know, so when it comes to motivation and readiness and also confidence to make these changes, that's where we come in to, to help people kind of bolster those up. Um, we're also here to help people figure out what barriers might be in the way. Um, some of those barriers could be more logistical, like just kind of time management, um, sometimes a little bit of budgeting, um, yeah, figuring out how you're going to make this happen day by day, week by week. So sometimes there are more logistical barriers. Um, sometimes the barriers are more kind of emotional or cognitive, you know, things in their head, stress, um, other things that happen in life that can kind of throw us off, at least for a little bit, from whatever our goal might have been. Um, you know, and sometimes we'll have a brief, what we call a lapse, or we could call it a slip up, a little kind of deviation uh, for a while, maybe because something stressful happens. We're here to help people figure out, you know, how do we just keep it to just maybe a brief lapse or slip up and not make it a relapse, uh, get back on track, keep the motivation up, keep keep the, the goals going. Um, so I think in general, that's our role. So throughout all of our lectures, um, we're trying to help people manage stress better. Um, and there are many different ways to do that. Uh, some uh, ways of managing stress include what we call e emotion-focused coping strategies, which would be anything that I do kind of right in the moment when I'm feeling stressed. You know, something happens and I get upset. Maybe I take a few deep breaths. Maybe I do a brief meditation exercise. Uh, maybe I, if I can, just go outside for a walk around the block or something, just kind of get it out of my system. You know, also, of course, there's problem-focused coping. That's the other main category of coping, which is basically problem-solving and planning. So if whatever's bothering me is something I can do something about, then I want to think about all my possible options. So we're here to help people kind of cope in general with stressors so that hopefully they're less likely than to turn to things like, you know, highly palatable comfort foods, sugary foods, maybe even alcohol, smoking, maybe even even other uh, substances that 
do work short term. I mean, if people you know have a drink, they tend to feel a little bit better short term. For some people, sugar it kind of makes them feel a little bit better for a little while, you know, for a few minutes. But of course, we know those things don't really solve any problems. They tend to create more. So we're here to help people cope better with stress as well. There's so many things, and and it, when you're at Pritikin and you have everything under one one roof, you got the fitness. You got you can go. You can walk ten steps from the gym and be in the dining area where you can get a snack or where you can get your meal. And then you could walk another, you could go right up the stairs and you can, you know, get your blood work done or speak to a doctor. Um, and, and, and then you can go right outside the door and, and you know, be at the pool and take an aquatics class or, you know, be in a lecture hall and, and, and spend time learning, learning from you and learning from, from uh, Dr. Hyman. Uh, of some of these things that you're talking about, you know, they can get private one-on-one -on -one sessions with you, but they also got the lecture classes. Like, t tell us, a, tell us a little bit about, you know, the, the lecture classes that you talk about at Pritikin. Sure, um, we start off talking to people about setting goals. Uh, so of course they have more kind of long-term goals in mind, but we help them develop short-term goals, which are really important. I mean, even the day-by-day, week-by-week changes that we make those are what are going to add up to, to getting those long-term goals. And so we start off with that um, and also addressing some of these barriers that might get in the way of accomplishing their short-term, which will then become their long-term goals. Um, we also discuss, as I mentioned before, you know, coping with stress, different ways to cope with stress in healthier ways rather than relatively unhealthy ways. Um, one main way to cope with stress um, is not necessarily behavioral. I mean, I talked before about, you know, you can kind of do different things like a few deep breaths, walk around the block. Um, it's more in here. So, so there are other ways to cope with stress that have to do with addressing um, maladaptive, irrational thoughts. And, and these are ways that we might all think from time to time. Some common examples, catastrophizing, you know, making a mountain out of a molehill, so to speak, um, jumping to conclusions. That's also something that we do a lot of time. So, you know, we jump to conclusions and make assumptions about somebody else or something or something's going to happen for sure. And we don't really know for sure, you know, until we have all the information. We get ourselves all worked up about something. And, you know, how often do we say after the fact something like, oh, it wasn't really as bad as I thought it would be, right? Or it wasn't, that wasn't what I thought was going to happen. I was all worried for nothing. Um, so that's jumping to conclusions. Another common type of maladaptive way that we all might think from time to time gets us all worked up and all stressed. Um, there are some others, all or nothing thinking. It's also very common. So thinking in, you know, extremes, um, usually also kind of like dichotomous categories, um, that tends to make us feel stressed out too. So we can address these types of thoughts. Um, as we feel stressed, what thought is going through our head about the situation? And sometimes we can recognize it as a little bit off, a little bit faulty, irrational, catastrophizing, maybe, maybe another type of irrational thought. And then we can do what we call restructuring the thought. So we can kind of change that thought into a more rational, reality-based way of thinking so that then our thoughts can work for us instead of against us. So we kind of, we spend a couple of talks really walking people through that process, you know, what it looks like to recognize these types of thoughts as, you know, definitely not helpful, maladaptive, probably irrational. They probably don't make that much sense. And they tend to make you feel even more stressed out. And then, you know, how can we kind of restructure, reframe them into thoughts that then 
work for you. You know, they may not necessarily be pleasant thoughts. This isn't just about thinking optimistically or positively, although that can help at times. It's more just, you know, being in reality. Um, and then we'll be able to cope better if we are kind of living in reality. Um, another one of our really interesting talks, um, I think it's interesting, it's called You're in Control. It also deals with recognizing irrational maladaptive thoughts, but not necessarily trying to restructure or change them, but more um, using mindfulness-based strategies to simply observe the thought as just a thought. And just because our mind produced a thought, it doesn't mean that we have to obey it. It doesn't mean we have to believe that it's true. It doesn't mean we have to buy into it. We can recognize some thoughts as just thoughts and we don't have to follow them. You know, we can think about some of our thoughts or our, I guess our mind as um, kind of an inner dictator, some people like to call it, uh, the radio with the announcer, that's another term we like to use, uh, that inner chatter, a lot of people like to, you know, call it that, that chatter in my head. Um, the uh, committee, that's another term I've, I've heard. So we have this other talk I think is very interesting and very helpful for a lot of people where they realize you don't have to buy into everything your mind is telling you. Mm -hmm. And I think that helps a lot of people kind of put less focus on mm -hmm. everything their mind tells you. But yeah, because like I, I was at, I was at, this weekend I was at a French restaurant with some friends. And oh, okay. at French restaurants, you got pastries like everywhere and like I, I ordered a coffee and it was like, um, you know, the, everything has like either cream or sugar or something like yeah. it's just like and um, but in, in your head, I think th and this is something that I've kind of dealt with is whenever you go, you know, I try to eat healthy as much as I can. But when you go to a restaurant with a group of friends, um, you have that kind of like, you know, in the back of your mind, it's like, you know, I need to enjoy, you know, my my, you know, if, if I don't if I if I try to diet here with my friends at the restaurant, I'm, I'm missing out like I'm missing out on an experience. Mm. I'm missing out on something. Um, so I guess that, that kind of pertains to the, to the kind of the inner thought. Um, it, it definitely, it definitely could. Um, and I'm, gl I'm glad you brought this up about socializing because that's a huge aspect of course of a healthy life. And, and we want people to continue socializing when they get back home and not to completely put a, an end mm. to their social life. We do have a whole talk that is dedicated actually to socializing. So I'm glad you brought this up to remind me of that. Um, where we do talk about what it's like to you know, go to a restaurant with your friends and perhaps watch everybody else kind of order all the food that maybe you would really want, but you might be thinking, ooh, I don't know about that. You know, that's not going to be the healthiest option. You know, I also say to people too, you know, kind of keep big picture in mind. I mean, you, you can, if you want, you know, every time you go to a restaurant, you can certainly commit to yourself to choosing as healthy an option as possible. You can also, and I know our nutrition group here has a great talk called Dining Out, mm -hmm. where they Long. talk, right, where they help yeah. people in more detail kind of figure out how do they want to make every restaurant experience as healthy as yeah. possible. You know, but also from a behavioral health perspective, it's really important to keep in mind that, you know, you're, the, you're deciding what you're going to eat. Um, so if you've gone in to the, the evening at a restaurant with friends, you know, with friends and, you know, everybody's going to order whatever and you recognize there might be a part of you tempted 
to have the dessert and have the bread and have everything else that they're getting. It's helpful to know that about yourself ahead of time and kind of be ready for it before mm -hmm. you go. And some great strategies, and, and Lon might talk about this too in dining out, you know, just maybe look at the menu ahead of time, mm -hmm. kind of decide mm -hmm. for yourself ahead of time. When you get to the restaurant, you already know what you're going to want or, you, you know, what you're going to order. And, you know, then maybe don't even look at the menu, you know, don't look at the specials and you'll be less tempted. Um, <clears throat> we also encourage using imagery to, and this is really about rehearsal and being prepared before you go to imagine what it might be like to, to sit there and watch all of your friends or family members, you know, order whatever they might order. I mean, the the prime rib and the fettuccine alfredo and then the dessert and picking the most delectable things right um and what that's what what is that going to be like for you to to still commit to whatever it is you've decided to have maybe the baked fish for example if you've decided to do that but from a behavioral health perspective i think a key factor is that voice of kind of internal control you know that i've decided this is what i'm going to get I'm going to get this because I'm deciding that it's important to me to keep eating healthfully, you know, or you might decide every now and then I'm going to go ahead and get, you know, my favorite dish that's been my favorite dish for years. And you know what, every now and then it's like, as we call it, maybe just a little lapse, a slight mm. deviation, but you can get right back on, you know, the next day you start your next day off with a healthy meal. So one lapse doesn't have to mean it's all over, forget it, I'm done. So that's another thing we talk about in the, in the, in the whole talk that we do about you know, socializing and keeping up your social life as well as your health goals. We have the, the, uh, the mind-body uh, retreat. You do a special lecture. We have guest speakers come in. Last year we had a class on sound bath meditation. We have all these different types of yogas and stretchings and, and breathing exercise techniques. Talk to me a little bit about how fitness and how, you know, these different types of methods, the yogas, the meditations, how does that improve one's mind and how does that connect to the body? I think I can I'm gonna speak a little from personal experience. Mm -hmm. hope that's kind of okay. I mean, I practice yoga myself and, um, mm -hmm. and it, it, I mean, research has shown this too. It doesn't just take anecdotes to, to talk about this, but things like that, yoga or anything, uh, anything mindfulness-based. Um, involves just that kind of mindfulness, awareness of your body, awareness and appreciation of what your body can do for you. And that's really a big focus. I'm gonna try to find the right words for this, to be honest, because it's so important. That's a big focus of the, the way that I want to do my work. Um, whether I'm here at Pritikin or whether I'm in my private practice or whether I'm in any, any setting. And the reason I actually became a psychologist is, is really for this reason that there's such a, an important connection between the mind and the body, between our mental health and our physical health. And a lot of it um, goes back to um, loving your body, appreciating your body, not having a size two or a size zero body, you know, not maybe wishing for six pack abs, although a lot of people, you know, want that. And if it works for you, go for it. But, you know, um, you know, really like it, it, you know, I think eating healthfully and exercising, you don't have to run marathons, um, is a way of kind of investing in, in your body. And so bringing it back to how do some of these things like mind, you know, kind of mindfulness, yoga, those kinds of mind body activities, um, how do they relate to 
the work I do, the work that Pritikin does, I think is in um, really being aware of your body and what your body can do for you and, and really like appreciating and loving your body. Having, you know, these kind of mind-body experiences, you know, yoga being one of them, mindfulness-based meditation being another, where you really get to kind of sit with yourself um, and your mind and your body and, and hopefully, you know, find a little bit, if I can be cheesy for a second, just kind of like a, a, a deeper love, a deeper appreciation. Uh, I'm glad you brought that up because last the the last time we we do the mind body uh, uh, retreat every few months and the last time that we did it there were some really positive stories that that we we got out of it of yeah. people just having like these kind of just emotional you know breakthroughs yeah, where they just like like I think it was in a meditation class where we have one of our yoga instructors Maria and she's she's just you know very passionate what she does she's been with she's been with Pritikin for a long time teaching yoga teaching meditation. She does a really good job at, at taking the opportunity in the class to just have people kind of like focus on themselves. And, mm -hmm. a lot, and, some, a lot, and unfortunately, a lot of people spend spend so much time focusing on other people That's or right. on, on whatever's yeah. going on in the news or whatever's, you know, all these right. different stressors that we all deal with. And then it's good to just come and just take a, take a moment just to kind of do some focusing. And there was some really, really positive stories that came out of that. And that's a lot of what I see when I work with people here. And sometimes people, even after a lecture, will come up and, and they'll make a comment like that, like that this is the first time they're really focusing on themselves in a long time. A lot of times I hear this in our individual consults with people that they, you know, spent a good portion of their lives, you know, um, really kind of focusing on everything and everyone else. And now it's a chance for them to focus on themselves. So, um, I think, you know, something like the Mind Body Week can, can and, and a stay at Pritikin a, a, as a whole, it's a great opportunity to do that. And that's what a lot of people say mm -hmm. is one of the reasons that brought them here. They said, this, these two weeks are, are for me, you know, and, mm -hmm. and they've never, they, they've always felt, or this is something I get a lot from a lot of people, I don't, I don't mean to be selfish, right? But it's for me. And I say, that's not selfish. You know, it's, it's, it's good to to want to do this for yourself and to take this time out for you and have these two weeks to kind of focus on on you, something that you've probably never done. So, mm -hmm. so that's great that you're hearing yeah. this from people in the in the, the mind body week. So, in addition to like your your private sessions, in addition to the lectures, um, you also have luncheons, right? Yeah. The uh, the emotional leading luncheon. Tell us a little bit about what goes on in that. Sure, sure. So, I I usually started off by. Um, just talking broadly about, you know, what is emotional eating? I mean, so so really, emotional eating is really anytime we eat and we're not hungry, uh, you know, because because if we're not hungry, we're eating for another reason, and it's probably some kind of emotion. Um, now, it doesn't have to mean you, you, we're not necessarily super stressed. Something that actually comes up a lot is boredom. And you know, that's come up a lot, especially during the pandemic, you know, people will say, I'm not stressed, I'm just bored, you know, and, I'm, and I'd say, that's an emotion, right? So you're still eating out of emotion. Um, so emotional eating can kind of take, I guess, sort of two main forms. It's sort of the stress slash boredom. And, it, and it's helpful to recognize being bored is actually a stressful condition. I mean, it's a stressful feeling to be bored. As, as humans, you know, we're naturally curious. Uh, we want to be doing things, exploring. Um, and if we're not doing that, and the pandemic definitely made all of that much more difficult, if not impossible, um, we'll find something to do. You know, so it's really not a surprise to me that we know that, you know, our weight gain was up across our country and I think other countries as well during the pandemic. Alcohol use was up across our I've been country. Some really right, scary a lot, right, a that. lot. Yeah. Um, so again, 
insane. And a lot of that, some of it, yes, stress. The mm-hmm. the pandemic has been awful, of course, very stressful. Lots of, lots of uh, you know, deaths, a lot of grieving. I mean, so, we, of course, but a lot of it too is boredom. Um, mm-hmm. And then emotional eating can also encompass... Um, Eating due to joy and happiness, and more of the socializing or being aspects, at a right? Sure, being at a French restaurant. <laughs> right, right, right. How do you say no to to the bread and the butter, yeah. right? Um, so that can also be emotional eating, um, because we have had some guests. I would say most of our guests, stress, boredom. Yes, those are those are common challenges. You know, but we do get some that say, you know, it's not really that. It's that I go out a lot. I have a great social life. And gosh, we just keep eating and sometimes drinking, you know. So there's also that. Um, so I, I started off talking about that. And then I um, I, I let them know, you know, I, I plan to cover, uh, you know, a lot of different themes and, and common um, common challenges that I hear from guests. And then my advice for how to um, how to kind of deal differently with emotional eating, um, but I also like to open it up to mm-hmm. you know is there something that brought you to this luncheon? I want to make sure that I address whatever it is that brought you to the luncheon because um, the luncheon then it, it, since it's not a formal lecture, I mean I have no PowerPoint presentation that you know I'm going to be walking through, so since it's not formal, it makes it a nice opportunity to be kind of informal mm-hmm. and to make it sometimes more of a discussion and sometimes it just sort of naturally flows that way, which is really nice as well. And guests then have an opportunity to kind of hear from each other, talk to each other. I mean sometimes, you know, sometimes they have really great advice too, you know, and so some guests will say, hey, that worked for me. And the other, thank you so much for that idea. I'm going to give it a try. You know, so it's a nice opportunity too for guests to learn from each other, which I find happens a lot anyway. This is, I hear from a lot of guests that, you know, being here, talking to other people who, you know, are going down the same road that they are. I mean, it's a great opportunity for them to learn from each other and to kind of connect with each other. So I think we as professionals, yeah, of course we can bring a lot to the table, but one other thing that a stay here at Pritikin does is it connects them with other people who are kind of going down the same road. Yeah. The, 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 that, that's really powerful to just kind of have that option, just to go in there and just kind of pick your brain or, or um, hear, you know, hear those other ideas that everybody else is doing. You can do it and you can just relax and have, you know, you can. Sure, they don't have, they don't have to yeah, say have to anything if they don't want to. But, exactly. They can, but you can, they can just if, listen. If but if something it, pops up in your head, you can pop the question. Ask a question. And, and absolutely. You're, and you're available to do that. That's really great. In my, in my opinion, um, the, the, like the, the awareness of mental health has gone up. In the past, you know, I'm 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 a younger guy. I'm I'm 34 years old. So I, but I can remember a time where it was, you know, to talk about mental health. It was, you know, you just kind of didn't do that. But now I feel like it's getting a little bit more common practice. And uh, what, like, what do you think about like the awareness of mental health and and kind of why that's important? Sure. Well, for one, I, I think I hope that the stigma of um, receiving mental health services has gone down um, in the last few decades. It seems that it has, and I certainly hope that that's the case, that people feel, again, less stigmatized um, or feel like, you know, feel like I should be able to figure this out on my own. You know, no, I mean, we all need help from time to time. So I think that more awareness around um, mental health and how important it is and that, you know, everybody needs help from time to time and there's nothing wrong with you if you want to seek out help from a professional. So 
I think it's good, it seems, that more talking about people's mental health struggles has meant, hopefully, that there's less stigma for other people in seeking out help. Yeah, I think that I think that's really important. I, I'm really glad that that Pritikin has that that section, that part of the program that we offer. And um, I think that you know everybody should either sit if you, when you come to the program, you either sit in the you know at least sit, sit in the luncheon, sit in a lecture, and and just like you know um, ask a question, you know, because there's so much. There's so many, you know, aspects of it, whether it's stress, whether it's how to change habits, how to unwind at the end of the day or how to, you know, better ways to start your day. So, Dr. Kristen, I really appreciate you sitting down with us today and I hope we can do this again. Me too. This was fun. All right. Thank you. See you guys.